0: been in a series called Grow and uh, what we've been doing to start the year is really just trying to again lay a foundation for our church community in regards to what our vision and our mission is as a church. Our mission statement as a church is to be a people after God's own heart. Theologically that comes from many of the cries of Uh, king david's heart in the old testament a lot of what we see in the psalms he is this person and he just deeply loves god and wants to be obedient to god and follow god there's even great hope and uh, i think the gospel in that because we know that david was a very um flawed human being yet ultimately the cry and the hope of his heart was that he could be in relationship with god and follow him and be obedient to god um but we realized that this idea of being a people after God's own heart is a very 30,000-foot idea. If you were to ask anybody, what does it mean to be a person after God's own heart, probably each and every one of us would give, us, would give a different answer. Um, and that's okay. You know, that's, that's good. Uh, but we really wanted to, going into this next year and going into our future as a church community, to bring that idea down to ground level So that we had some real direction and some tracks that were going on. So that as a community, we can be uniquely individual as we all very much so are. But we could be united and we could be one and we could be headed in the same direction. So we again have laid out our mission is to be a people after God's own heart. But we've given you in the last couple of weeks four different ways that we're going to fulfill that mission. Do you remember what those are? Yeah. Number one is no God. We want to be people who not just know of God in a um, hypothetical way or a theoretical way, but we want to be people who intimately have relationship with the God of the universe, and we we believe we do that through the person of Jesus Christ. The second thing is find freedom. We want to be a people, and that's what we're going to talk about primarily today, is people who really step into and access the freedom that God has for us and that he's made available to us. The third thing is discover purpose. We want to be people who are not just walking aimlessly on this earth wondering why it is that we're here, because we all do have a very unique and and special purpose, and we want to be a community that walks in that and is really aware of that, and as a church, we want to help people understand what their purpose is. And the fourth thing is... Make a difference. We want to be a people who really, not just um, are people who are of charity or when it is convenient of goodwill, but people who are making an eternal difference. Does that make sense? We understand the difference between the two. I think we have to. We live in a culture where. Um, And I love, I'll make a a metaphor or draw an example here. I love the institution goodwill. Everybody knows what goodwill is. But if you think about it, what we do with goodwill is we just bring the things that are least valuable to us. The things we no longer want anymore. Things, honestly, that are actually probably just inconvenient for us to have and we're just trying to get rid of. Things that nobody else will pay for. And we just drop those things off there. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it. I think goodwill is a great and incredible institution, but that is not the charity and the grace of God. The charity and the grace of God and what it means to be people who make a difference are not not just to be goodwill people. But to be people who say, this is everything that I have. This is the thing that matters most to me. This is the thing that is of greatest greatest value to me. And I am willing to lay that down. I'm willing to give that up. I'm willing to invest that into people so they would experience and encounter who God is. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, the one he cherished most. We want to be that type of people. We want to make that type of difference. where we're willing to give everything that we have to impact someone's eternity. Amen? Amen. So this week, we're going to talk about find freedom. If you want to open your Bibles to Galatians 5, it'll be up on the screen. I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation. So if your translation is different than that and it has a little bit different language, that's why but it is the same idea theologically. Galatians 5. Just to give you kind of a preface tonight, or today, it's not tonight. Three sermons, different times a day, two different days. I get a little confused sometimes. My job as the pastor and the leader in this specific moment is to, I think specifically tonight, today, to present the scriptures to you in a way that your priorities and your perspective shifts. This sermon will will challenge your priorities and will hopefully challenge your perspective in the best way possible. And also to increase a standard and an expectation in your heart for what God would do internally in your life. Galatians 5, verse 1 says this. For freedom... Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. What Paul is trying to say in Jesus' incarnation, in his crucifixion, and in his resurrection, the purpose of all of that was so that we would not be more successful, not so that we would be more wealthy, not so that we would have better jobs, not so that we would necessarily just simply be this modern millennial concept of being a better version of ourselves. Most of these things are, you know, in terms of society, those things are based on external things. What what Paul is saying, the purpose of Jesus' is life, his death, and his resurrection, what he has accomplished in that, is given us an invitation and access so that we could be free on the inside. So that we could be free from fear, so that we could be free from guilt, so that we could be free from shame, so that we could be free from insecurity, so that we could be free from worry, so that we could be free from anxiety. So that our souls, which are plagued by the consequences of sin and selfishness and the depravity of man in this world, could be free from it. I want to lay that down as the foundation this morning and call us to freedom because I think we have to be really intentional as Jesus followers, especially in the world and the culture and the society we live in, to not forget that the reason why we follow Jesus and the reason why we believe he did what he did is so that we would be free. If you're anything like me, I'm often tempted to think that the purpose of following Jesus is just simply to have better morals or to be more significant in terms of a worldly or cultural expectation. It's to accomplish all these external things. And sometimes I fight so hard to accomplish these external things. And what I realize as I'm trying to accomplish these external things and live up to these cultural expectations, that my soul is still broken and tormented and empty without Jesus. And I'm dying on the inside, even though I'm trying to figure out and look good on the outside. And there's this tension and there's this conflict with inside of me. And what God has continued to speak to me and and reveal to me is, Connor, none of those things externally matter. What matters most I died for is that you would be free on the inside we're living in a world and in a culture and in a country especially that is in very many ways bankrupt we may be arguably one of the wealthiest nations in the world in terms of resources we may be arguably the freest world ironically But for so many of us, inside the church and outside of the church, believers and non-believers alike, we are tormented inside. And we are yearning inside. And we're conflicted inside. And I think we have to remember that the reason why we have chosen to sign up to follow Jesus and believe in the good news of the gospel is not just so we could better live up to the expectations of our culture and our society, is so that we could be free. Like the invitation of Jesus is not that you'd have more money in your bank account or you'd have less problems. or It's so that regardless of how much money you have in your bank account or how many problems you have or what diagnoses you're given or how people treat you, that you can have peace and joy and comfort and hope in eternity. The invitation of Jesus is twofold. Let's say you get a physical diagnosis. We believe in healing here at Heart of the City Church. Many of you have been physically healed on this side of eternity. And that could happen, and I think we should believe for that and we should desire that. But even more than that, the invitation of Jesus and what he's offered us is peace. True freedom is not necessarily just putting all of our hope in that we would be healed on this side of eternity for something that would plague our body. True freedom is saying, regardless of what comes against my body, it will not come against my soul. No matter what tries to kill and destroy what's physical and natural, that will eventually come to an end. We all realize and recognize we're all going to die, right? We're on the same page there. (laughs) but our souls will live on and true freedom is to have our soul set free and to recognize what Jesus came to do was not simply to give us necessarily this ultimate fantasy type reality on this side of eternity in this life, but it was to set our souls free so that no matter what came against us or no matter what we faced, we could be free from the negative or the consequences and the pain of this world. So what I want to call you to this morning is to a higher expectation and standard of freedom. Have you settled in your life? Are there things that you're fighting against? And and it's a real war. Like that's why we are to fight the good fight of faith. Because it's a battle. But are there realities in your life? Are there things that you're warring against? And have you come to a place where you just kind of settled for less than what God has for you? Have you settled for a lesser internal reality? Have you been battling depression most of your life and you've just come to this place where you're like, "Hey, I love Jesus and I'm trying to serve him, but I just can't get over this, so I'm just gonna settle for depression. And now if that's you, I personally have never battled with like clinical depression, so let me speak humbly to you. But God has freedom for you. I don't care how long you have to fight for. I don't care how long you have to battle for. Do not settle for depression in your life. And it's not your fault. There's no condemnation. We have to get over that. Sometimes we, sometimes there is sin that is our fault. And we have to be willing to own that. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But sometimes we're just stinky and dirty. And sometimes it's because of things that other people have done to us. And sometimes it's just a byproduct of just being a human being and being flawed. And we just have to come to this place where we're like, regardless of my stink, regardless of my dirtiness, I don't care. I just want to get clean. Like I'm the type of person... If I stink at all, I'm getting home to the shower as fast as I possibly can. Like, I'm gonna stink after the 11 11 because I'm up here working. And, and that's a byproduct of preaching. Again, what's true in the natural is true in the spiritual. Sometimes we just become stinky as human beings, our soul just gets a little dirty. Even when we're doing our best, it just happens. And we can't settle at that point and just be like, well, I'm doing my best and I just stink a little, I'm just a little bit dirty, it's okay. No, we got to do everything we can to be as clean as we can, to get as free as we can because that's what God has for us. When we step into eternity, we're not going to be plagued by these earthly things anymore. And that reality should shape everything that we do and everything that we think that one day we'll be in heaven with God and everything will be Perfect. Yet Jesus' prayer was, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what Jesus is saying to us is there should be a standard and an expectation inside of us that says the freedom that I will have in heaven can begin to enter my earthly reality. You will have no depression in heaven. You'll have no anxiety in heaven. You'll have no pride in heaven. You'll have no anger in heaven. You'll have no bitterness in heaven. You'll have no unforgiveness in heaven. Therefore, we can begin to cry out for it and expect it and call it down here. And that is the freedom that God has for us. And I've come to this place, maybe it's because I work for the church and I'm constantly trying to think about how the church can be all that it's called to be and how I can pastor people better. And I've just come to this place where I'm like, we just got to have a standard arise in our heart for freedom that no matter what it costs us and no matter how hard we have to war for it, that God has promised that our souls would be free. So I'm calling you this morning to a higher expectation of freedom. There's some of you in here who have been battling for a really long time. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with you other than you're just a human being living in a broken world. But God has freedom for you. That thing that you're battling with, that thing that you're wrestling with, that thing that's plaguing you, you are not created for it. And the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we have a cure that when nothing else could free us, when nothing else could provide a way out, when nothing else could save us, God became a man and lived the life that he did and died the death that he died and resurrected so we too could enter into the resurrection, freedom from the worst thing that would try to conquer us and overcome us. And we gotta stop thinking less about work and we gotta stop thinking less about cultural expectations and societal standards. And we have to have this deep, Desire and conviction that above all things, my soul would be free. No matter what you're facing this morning, I'm calling you, I'm inviting you, I'm saying there is more for your soul. Water break. If you have water, you can drink it now. (laughs) If you have coffee, just make sure there's a lid on it. I'm just kidding. 18 minutes, let's do this. That's part one. Do you want it? Let me say this before we leave that thought in transition. Jesus says that we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What he's saying is that as Jesus followers, we bring the flavor of life back to a dead world. We bring the light and the hope of real substance and joy and eternity back to a dead and dying world. You know how we're going to do that? Not by throwing better church gatherings that look like rock concerts, not by bringing in really powerful speakers that sound like Tony Robbins. Now, none of those things are wrong. This, in a lot of ways, feels like a rock concert. I don't sound like Tony Robbins, but... Those things aren't inherently wrong. That's the means in which we can create an environment and experience where people can be free to experience God. We can do it in a lot of other ways. It's not just those ways. But really the way that we're going to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth is by being free. The people who are not in this room, whether they're at brunch or they're at home or wherever they're at, you know what they want more than anything? Freedom. Every human being just wants to be free. And we carry the hope in an actual good news that we can be free. Free from everything. And there has to be awakening inside of us, not just theoretically, not just theologically, but something powerful that happens at the core of who we are where we're totally set free and we live and we move from that freedom and we love people recklessly and freely. And through that, the world is changed and people are invited in to that same reality. Okay, let's do this. Part two. This is what it means to be free. We have to talk about what freedom actually is, because again, we live in um, a world that was founded, or not a world, but a country that was founded on this idea of freedom and liberty. And I'll say this, I love living in this country, and I'm a proud American. But I think we have to be honest, although we have a lot of freedoms and we live in in a very privileged place. Ironically, there's very um, little actual freedom in our society, spiritually and emotionally. I think that's the tension of it. And that's why we have to actually define what freedom is. And that's what I want to do this morning. Freedom is not just saying, I get to now do whatever it is that I want, That's not what biblical freedom is. Let me read these definitions to you of what this word freedom actually means. If you put that first slide up there about liberty. This is what freedom is. Liberty to do or to omit. Omit means not to do. Things having no relationship to salvation. What? Paul is saying is because you have put your faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit has filled you, you now have a power that you didn't used to have. Prior to that, all we have really the freedom to do is just be enslaved to whatever it is that wants to enslave us. But now that we do believe in Jesus and we have accessed the freedom that he has for us and the Holy Spirit has filled us, we have another another choice on the board. We have another option, and that is the heavenly option. That is the God alternative. So we now have the freedom to say, I no longer will participate and indulge in the things that I will not experience in heaven that are not congruent with who God is. But I will, no matter what it costs me, no matter how hard it is or how inconvenient it is, choose the God alternative. I think it's in the wise words of a great theologian, Peter Parker, right? Is that his name? (laughs) Spider-Man? He said, with great freedom comes great responsibility. We live in this incredibly free society that wants to take no responsibility. Be very careful with social media, friends. Social, you know what social media is, a plat, what it's turned into? This platform where we can express freedom and have no accountability for it. I heard someone one time describe the, the uh, social state of our culture. It's like we're all driving in cars just honking at each other. Instead of being on a street bumping into each other. You know what happens, you can drive in a car because you're in this little bubble and you can just honk all you want. Have you ever been to New York City? It's just, everybody's honking. It's like, that, this is insane. Why are people honking? It's not doing anything. But everybody's just laying on the horn. And that's our culture. Just get on Twitter, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, just lay on the horn because I'm in this secure little bubble. You ever bump into someone on the street? You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Please, you know, like, don't fight me, don't beat me up. Really, really sorry, didn't mean to do that. Because there's accountability in that moment. You can't avoid that interaction. We have to come back to a place, and this is what God is inviting us into, that we have freedom and we have choice, but we need to be greatly responsible with it. God has set us free so we don't have to be slaves of the things that are not of God, but we have to now say, I don't want that. I want to choose the things that are of God, no matter how much it costs me or how hard it is or how inconvenient it is. Put that second slide up there. The next definition. True liberty is living as we should, not as we please. I was... Um, Admittedly, just kind of getting back into the whole workout thing. And the reason why I say that is I went over to my mom's house. She has this uh, in-house bike called a Peloton. Do you guys know what Peloton is? And I did a 20-minute ride. Not a 45-minute ride. I'm not ready for that yet. I did a 20. (laughs) But I got on the bike, okay? Sometimes you just got to saddle up. That's a really good point, theologically. You don't need to be a pastor right now or know how to preach sermons or understand the Bible. You just need to saddle up. Just respond to God. Just be willing to say, well, 20 minutes on the bike is better than two hours on the couch. (laughs) One day in your courts, Lord, are better than a 1,000 elsewhere. I don't care where you're at in the process. The invitation of God is that you could begin to have freedom anywhere. But I get on this bike and I get to the end of my 20-minute ride and I'm thinking it's time for a cool down. And the instructor says, we're gonna do one more climb. I'm thinking, okay. We're not on the same page, but... You're 2,000 miles away in New York City, so I guess we can't talk about it. And she goes, you, it's your choice right now, but add two or five pounds in resistance. And I'm thinking, I was just thinking cool down, and I agreed to the climb, and now you want me to put two or five pounds of extra resistance on? You're out of your mind. But she gave me the choice, right? This is what she says. She says, not because you want to, but because you can. I said, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Not thank you, Allie Love. Thank you, Lord. Because I realized in that moment what it means to be free is not to do things because I want to do them but now because the spirit of God lives inside of me and Jesus has set me free, I can do the things that I don't want to do that are of God because I can. And that's what it means to be free. I'm not inviting you and calling you to this type of freedom where we're just whimsical and all over the place and not that you can't have things that you enjoy in life and, and God has good, I mean, God invented and created enjoyment, friends. Like It's true to who God is. He enjoys us. So there's a place for enjoyment and there's a place for pleasure in life. But we have to have this primary conviction where regardless of whether I enjoy it or not, I'm choosing the things of God and I'm choosing the reality that best reflects heaven. No matter what it costs me, no matter how inconvenient it is, Because I am free and I can do that. Let me read this scripture to you. I have a cold, so sorry. The sniffles are not my emotions. That's my cold now. This is the tension throughout Paul's theology in the New Testament. Just to kind of reiterate this, then I'm going to sing to you. Just prepping you. I'm more prepping my wife. Bobby was like, don't you just wish you could stay in worship? And I'm in the back thinking, well, I could sing. I could play the guitar. You don't want that. Here we go. Back to the point, Connor. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. What then? Are we to sin because we are no... We are not under the law, but under grace, by no means. Do you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. What Paul is saying is we're going to be slaves to either two things, sin or righteousness. And he's saying, We have the freedom and the power to choose. Which will you be a slave to? Are you going to commit yourself to sin and entertain the devil? Or will you commit yourself to righteousness and the things of God? But thanks be to God, this is the good news. That you who are once slaves of sin, that's who we used to be, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Paul's really sarcastic. That's kind of like just a jab in the heart, you know. You're kind of dumb, so I'm going to talk to you in human terms. Thanks, Paul. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, be careful of just entertaining a little bit of sin. Like to be totally free is to have this resolve in our heart where we're like, I'm not even going to flirt with the fire. Because what Paul teaches and what Jesus teaches is once you go down that rabbit trail, it's a dark and slippery slope. That's why Jesus says, even if you lust in your heart after a woman, you've committed adultery. Not because you've actually committed adultery in terms of a physical action, you know what I mean? But because he knew that if we would continue to entertain that reality, that eventually we would get there. You know how you dig a grave? You don't, Dave's are not Dave's. Graves are not dug with these big like six by four by however, I don't know how big graves are. They're not dug by these things that just go down and pull out this, all this dirt at once. No, you take a shovel and you just take one layer off at a time. And what Jesus is saying is, if you keep taking one layer off at a time, before you know it, you'll have dug a grave. There has to be a resolve inside of us A return to the holiness of Jesus that says, I'm not even going to mess or play around with even a little bit of the things that are not of heaven. I don't have to be a slave to that anymore. Not even a little. I'm choosing the things of God. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. In tribute to our pastor and the great theologian, Bob Dylan, You're going to serve somebody. It may be the devil. Or it may be the Lord. I don't know. Is that the actual lyric? I'm not sure. But you're going to serve somebody. Love you, J-O. But it's true. We're serving somebody. You have the choice. Who are you going to serve? Okay, here's the meat and the potatoes. Let me read this to you, and then we'll jump to the meat and potatoes. This is a little bit of an hors d'oeuvre appetizer. The end of Galatians 5 says this, 5.1. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery what Paul is recognizing is our choice. This is what it says in the Passion Translation. Listen to this. Let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. That should be the cry in our heart. I'm not partially set free. I'm not totally free yet, but there's fullness of freedom for me and I'm doing everything I can to access it. this is what he says. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Is there a stubbornness inside of you that no matter what temptation comes to you, no matter what invitation comes to you, no matter what Bad habits begin to stir back up inside of you that want to enslave you and entrap you and destroy you? Is there a stubbornness inside of you that says, no matter what I have to do, I won't go back to that? Because God has more for me, and I'm free, and I can choose it. Okay. This is really why I'm up here this morning, this third part. I was sitting here last night, and Craig was on the front, And I began to think in my head, not out loud, um, Connor, do what you're actually here to do this morning. And I looked at Craig. I was like, Craig's probably wondering if I'm actually going to get to the point that I'm supposed to make this morning. He looked at me like... (laughs) And afterward, he's like, dude, you read your mind. And I'm like, yeah, the spirit of Jesus is in me. He read people's (laughs) minds too. (laughs) This is the point. Let me read James chapter 5 to you. Topher, if you want to, or whoever's going to come back up and lead us in worship, you can come up. James chapter 5 says this, verses 13 through 16, if you want to put that up there. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith of the and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. This is it right here, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We are a people who want to be free. We're people who want to be healed, and we believe that God has that for us. But the interesting thing is, to address the elephant in the room, there are a lot of people who come to church regularly and often, and they know that God has forgiven them because we're constantly preaching and teaching about forgiveness, but they have not been set free yet. I was talking to a guy one time, and he struggled with alcoholism for many, many years, and he said, Connor, I, I used to go to church and I would sit in the back and I knew that God had forgiven me, but I, I wasn't free yet from the alcoholism and I would just cry out and I would just weep and I would just pray that God would set me free. And that's true for, for a lot of us. We. We come to church over and over and over and over again, and we know that God has forgiven us. But sometimes there's this thing inside of us that hasn't been set free yet. So even at that point, there's this greater tension and conflict. We begin to think, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with God? Supposedly, he's forgiven me, but I haven't accessed the freedom yet. And I don't know why this is, and honestly, I don't really even like James chapter 5 that much, especially initially, because even though God has forgiven us, we find freedom and healing when we confess one to another and pray for each other. That person who told me they had struggled with alcoholism, they've been sober for many, many years now, and the tipping point was when he entered into community and brought his sin and his disease and his struggle to light. It wasn't until then that he found freedom. And since then, he has been free. As a community, we're going to find freedom, not just simply by gathering and singing songs to God and listening to sermons, although that's good and we're going to commit to that we're gonna find freedom by a commitment to intimate community where we gather around the table together and we open the doors of our houses and we turn off the clocks and we lay down the judgments and we set a standard that says there's no room for condemnation here, only space for confession and prayer and healing because we are a people who have been set free and we're willing to fight for that freedom no matter what it costs or takes. You can stand up. We're gonna close in a song in prayer. I wanna give you three specific kind of instructions on prayer or on confession and then I'll read. One more story to you. A couple points. If you're taking notes, hopefully you can write standing since I just asked you to stand. Or you can just get these from me later. Number one, if you put that fo- first point up there, these are things that we have to understand about this type of community confession is different than justification. As a pastor, I get to meet with people a lot, one-on-one, to help them. And they, they begin to tell me what's going on and why they're, where they're at. And the people who actually find freedom and, and make it to the other side are those who take full responsibility. Sometimes I meet with people and I've met with people for years even, or in and out over years, The people who don't ever find freedom, the people who have to keep going over, around and around with are the people who recognize that something's wrong but don't wanna take any responsibility for it. They're just constantly justifying why it's someone else's fault or why they, they don't have what they need. Friends, if we would just take full responsibility, whether it's your fault or someone else's fault, it doesn't really matter if we bring it to the light fully, if we expose it fully, God is faithful to forgive it and heal it. But it's not until then, it's not till we say, I don't know why I'm struggling with this. I don't know why I've done this, but I've done it. And I don't want it to hinder me anymore. I don't want it to torment me anymore. I don't care how ashamed you might, I might feel or how dirty, you know, whatever it is, no matter what people think of us, we have to bring it to the light fully and completely. And then pray for one another. The second thing is this, that second point. It's going to hurt. Paul tells us and instructs us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What's true in the natural is true in the spiritual. The first time you go back to the gym, it's so bad. That's why a lot of us don't go to the gym anymore. Seriously. Seriously. Because you're scared of the first month because it hurts so bad. But if you want to have a six-pack, you got to go more than one time. (laughs) And you got to go through a lot of soreness. And you got to go over and over and over again when it doesn't feel good and when you don't like it, not because you want to, but because you can And it's the same thing with our salvation. If we want to be free, we got to be willing to put it all out there on the table, no matter how bad it hurts at first, and just say, I don't care what you think of me. I know that all this stuff is crazy, but it's who I am, and it's what I'm going through, and I don't want to be this anymore, and I don't want to go through this anymore. Will you pray with me? And what I've learned about confession, at first it really, really hurt, and it was really, really bad. Now I'm like, because I've experienced freedom and healing, I'm like, I want to confess. I need to. I don't want to struggle with this anymore. I don't want to be tormented by this anymore. I know that if I bring it to light and the faithful prayer of a righteous person prays for me, I'll be set free from it. Now I don't have a six pack physically, but I'm working on a six pack spiritually. I'm working on being fully free. And no matter how bad it hurts, I'm willing to commit to the process. The third thing is this, this is not for the one confessing, This is for the one receiving confession. Be gentle. Paul writes in Galatians 6 that we are to gently restore one another. Part of the reason why we're so afraid to confess or why we don't confess is because we're afraid of rejection of the person that we're confessing to. We're afraid that they're going to judge us. We're we're afraid that they're going to put wrath on us. We're afraid. We're just afraid of what they're going to think of us. And we need to be a people as we're gathering in our homes and as we're committing to city groups and as we're committing to this type of community where we're just putting everything on the table with each other and we're praying for each other and we're seeing each other find freedom. We have to be a people that have this resolve in our heart on the other side of the table that says, no matter what you confess to me, no matter what you say to me, no matter what you reveal to me, I know that God has forgiven it all. I know that it's not unfamiliar to God. I know that he knows it. I know that he's gonna give me the grace to receive it. sometimes people confess things to me and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do with that because I'm a human being. But then I hear the voice of God say, Connor, I am fully aware and I've paid for that and my grace can cover that. So you can sit across that table and you don't have to be God, but you can listen and, and you can pray and I'll heal them. And we have to be that type of people who are like, bring it on. Lay it all out on the table. Show me all your cards because I want you to be set free. Yeah. <laughs> dirty people are only dirty until they get in the shower. We have to be the type of people who are just recognize. Let's just say that we're dirty and own it because we know that the shower, God's grace, so to speak, is always hot and always running and the door is always open for everybody and everybody. And we can all step into that cleansing and that washing and be set free. I'm gonna invite the leaders forward, anyone who's on our altar team to pray. Let me read to you. This is the mission statement we we wrote out for our city groups. We believe that living freely in the fullness that Jesus intended occurs in community. We're all forgiven here in this space, but the freedom that we access is going to happen in community. Our city groups, our small groups are designed to help people find that freedom through the spirit inside us and the people around us. There's this story, I'll close with this. There's this story in Luke chapter five, and Jesus is in this house and the house is packed. There's all these people gathered around. Jesus is teaching and he's healing people And there's this paralytic man with three or four friends and they hear that Jesus is in this house, that he's healing people. And their friend has paralysis in the body. So they think to themselves, we must get to this party. We must get to Jesus because we want you to be healed. We are not going to settle for this paralysis in your life. So they get the man and they take him to this house. And when they get there, they realize that they can't get in through the front door because the house is packed. So you know what they do? They go to the roof. And I don't know how houses were built at that time. So they start taking off the roof and the ceiling. You ever been around people who are like just really loud in public and you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta get away from these people because they cause such a distraction. That's this moment for this paralytic man. We're not talking about like they slowly took the boards off or there was like a skylight and they removed the glass. We're talking like there's a roof here. Jesus is underneath it. Our friend has paralysis. The only way we get to him is if we take this whole roof off. So they just start taking it off, ripping it off, causing the scene in this commotion. We have to be the type of people who are willing to say this paralysis is not what God has for us and it's not what ha- what he has for my friends and it's not what he has for my family and no matter what i got to get to what, no matter what i got to do to get to jesus even if i got to cause a scene and cause a commotion and draw all the attention to ourselves in terms of the way that people think or look i'm willing to tear the roof off and lower people into his feet because i know that jesus can heal them I think sometimes we're afraid to commit to that type of community because we just don't want to cause a scene. We don't want to cause a commotion. We're already embarrassed of our paralysis. We're already embarrassed of our brokenness. We'd rather just hide and act like it's not there. But we can't settle for that because God wants to heal us and set us free. So we have to be a type of people who say, no matter what it costs, no matter how loud it gets, no matter how messy it gets, We're going to tear the roof off. So they lower this paralytic man in. And Jesus looks at him and he says, your sins are forgiven. He was like, I came here to get my body healed, not have my sins forgiven. We have to understand, and many of you already know this. But the primary healing that God wants to do in our life is the healing in our heart. He wants to set our soul free. What good are your legs if your heart is tormented? What good is your riches if you gave up your soul? What good is your fancy big house if there's no one there to fill it because you have no friends and you've lost your family? Because you've been tormented and controlled by these selfish motives and desires and pressures and you've given up your soul. Jesus wants to set our soul free. So he says, your sins are forgiven. We have to be the type of people who recognize and we see no matter what's going on the outside, what's most important is what's happening on the inside and we want our souls to be set free no matter what happens. We're the type of people, our society, sometimes we just want this fancy, pretty painted car and we don't care if it has an engine in it or not. It's like, look at my car, just don't open up the hood. And we want to create communities where we're like, I don't care what the car looks like on the outside. Here, I'm opening up my hood to your, uh, the hood of my life to you so that you can see what's on the inside so that we can change change the oil and fix the engine because that's what God has for me and I'm willing to do it no matter what it looks like. So will we be that type of people? where we open up our homes and we commit to a regular community outside of this gathering? And will we confess to each other? Will we be gentle with each other? Will we take ownership? And will we pray? And will we be healed? If you want prayer in any way, we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song. These people are here to pray for you. You can come up and get prayer. don't leave this moment. If there's something on your heart right now where you need to get set free, then come do that. But I'll also say, don't trade this moment for the type of community that we're talking about. You need people in your life who you're talking to every day, who you know the door is open, that you can go to with anything and everything as much as you need to and, and just lay it all on the table and say, pray for me. Let me pray for you as we go into the song and then we'll close. God, we thank you. We pray even right now as we begin to worship you that you would do something in this space, in this moment, that you would heal us and set us free. We love you, Lord.